Hey, this is Ronnie LeBlanc from Expedition Bigfoot, and you're listening to The Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, Cassius Parian. Hey there, ponderers of the paranormal. You are in the Paranomaly Zone, your place for all things paranormal, strange, and mysterious. It is guest interview time, and what a guest we had a pleasure and honor to speak with tonight. Yes, we spoke with host of and featured expert on haunted hospitals and haunted 911, award-winning educator, producer, author, inspirational speaker, and paranormal investigator Morgan Knudsen. Morgan's introduction to the paranormal goes back to her great-great-grandfather, who was the president of the Association for Psychical Research of Canada in 1918. Now, if that doesn't spark your interest, then I don't know what does. But you didn't tune in to hear me introduce Miss Morgan Knudsen. You want to hear Miss Morgan Knudsen. Thank you, everyone. So do you got like about half an hour, Morgan? Yep. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Now, when we Mike and I met up earlier and we always, were kind of touching touching base about stuff we want to make sure to, to, to talk about, you know, in the, in the limited amount of time that we have. And perusing your website, one of the first things that we noticed and we were most uh, intrigued by was your introduction into the, the paranormal of what kind of sparked your interest and involved your great, great grandfather. Would you, could you yeah. talk to us about that for a little while? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my great grandfather, uh, Albert Durant Watson, was a really interesting man because he he started out very early on as a, a, a physician uh, and a poet and an astronomer. He was he was very well connected within the, the Ontario and Toronto community. Um, and uh, Mike, you can actually still go see his house as a historical spot. Mm. And wow. uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it, he was very, very well known there. And what was interesting was that he was a, a a very big time skeptic, like really big time skeptic. And it wasn't until a bunch of his friends got together and they were like, Hey, you know, can we like use your house for, for, a, for a channeling session? And he was like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what? And, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've like, there's this, there's this guy by the name of Lewis Benjamin and he's, he's, he's the real deal. And so anyway, Albert thought he was, they were absolutely out of their mind, but he was like, a, he was a super nice guy. And he was like, yeah, use, use the back room. Just like, don't bug me. <laughs> um, and so they, they, he invites this guy over. And so the curiosity kind of got the better of him. And, you know, he's leaning in and he's listening to this, this guy who is, I mean, he's young. He doesn't have much of an education. I mean, I think he like dropped out at like grade eight. He's not what, Albert was expecting at all. So he's sitting there and he's these these people are like they're asking him not only asking him questions but he's doling out this wisdom that is so far past 
himself and his years and the information that is a, like available generally to people at that time. Like if you guys read the books now, you'd be like, you know, this is like advanced for now. And mm-hmm. here this is early 1900s. And, you know, this guy's coming out with some pretty amazing stuff and uh, very positive, very joyful, you know, just, just, you know, stuff you you want to listen to. And they, and he's going, okay, this is weird. Like, this is not what I was thinking that this was going to be. So he ended up sitting in on these sessions over and over again. And lo and behold, who Lewis ends up channeling is, apart from many others, was Albert's mom, who he didn't know was dead at all. He hadn't did hmm. not have this information. And Albert was getting information that, I mean, nobody should have known. And he was like, okay, what is going on here? So he started like, writing all this stuff down. And it was a group of entities that called themselves uh, the humble ones of the 20th plane. And they they were giving this, this beautifully positive message uh, to the, the people around them. And the information was, it was just really phenomenal. So he ended up writing two books, The 20th Plane and Birth Through Death, The Ethics of the 20th Plane, which were basically transcriptions of these sayings. And I tell you, like, you go back on these things now, and it is still like jewels of information within these books. At the time, the his colleagues around him made mincemeat out of him. They were like, you're out of your damn mind. I mean, you've got, you've got a career here. And you're a medical professional, and you're believing in this, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but at the end of the day, he was like, you know, and I mean, he always he, he fought with his own doubts, like, okay, maybe I am going nuts, like, what is this? But at the end of the day, he was like, look, this is what I heard. And he's like, take it or leave it. But this is what I heard. This is what happened. This is what this group experienced. This is real. And uh, it, it was, yeah, really, really phenomenal. So, so that was A.D. Watson. And as I say, you can, you can, you know, see his house as a historical location today. I got to look up a lot of that. That's fascinating. Yeah. And there's another road trip for us, Mike. Yeah. Right <laughs> Definitely. We're, we're always good up for road trips. Yeah. Yeah. Like see, I'm in Northern Minnesota. Mike's in, uh, I guess what? Southeastern North Dakota. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I won't be too far of a drive, but yeah. No, that's not too bad. <laughs> no. And it's a beautiful drive. Once you get up into Canada and you, and you start heading West and oh yeah. man. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The landscape. You're never going to go wrong with the landscape. No, that's for sure. Yeah. My, uh, I had a, my, an uncle, he's passed away now, but he was uh, up there by Banff and everything and oh, Calgary, just absolutely beautiful. But anyway, <laughs> Mike, could, Mike could go on and on here. Uh, yeah. Well, I just love Canada and <laughs> we, my, we have my a, family so we much. We have a guest, Mike. Okay. We have a guest. I know. It's, I know this is not about me. Definitely. No. <laughs> so Morgan, what, what, what do you take by that name? The humble ones. I, I was yeah. I'm intrigued by that. What do you think that exactly is, is there anything behind that? Or does that just happens to be what they call themselves? I think it was deliberate. I think it was something that my impression was, is that they chose it so that it was never about, you know, them lording over the, the group with in, information. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they were humble, you know, but they, they seemed to know who they, they knew who they were at, at a core, at a core level as consciousness. They, they knew who they were, but there was nothing condescending about the information. There was no warnings or evil messages or anything like that. I, and I think it was chosen as sort of a, 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 a bridge for, for people like, look, this is how we're coming to the table. We're here to bring you this information. We're not here to, you know, do some ego trip or, you know, make some crazy, you know, 
seance with ectoplasm or you know some crazy thing that's not what that's not what the intention and and I think I think that was the the underpinning of the entire session was that we're we're here to we're here to pass on the information no ego involved no when, just pure positivity yes yeah no when you you had also mentioned like um your great great grandfather's like all these colleagues were kind of like whoa you know what are you doing there my friend um do you think that that kind of perception of those who are I, for lack of a better term, into the paranormal. Do you think that that kind of negative perception is lessening as we go move further and further down the line? Or do you think there's always, I mean, there's always going to be those kind of pseudo skeptics. That's one of our favorite terms, just people who disbelieve just to disbelieve. Pseudo skeptics, yeah. my biggest pet peeve. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think <laughs> Don't that even that, give it a chance. Do you think that that kind of overall perception is changing? Yeah, I do. And, and I think what's what's helping to close the gap is not only the medical science that is coming into into the picture now, but also mm. the, the, the research and the understanding or the slow understanding of, of quantum physics. And I think when we've got these these two fields that are, are slowly starting to merge, I think what's happening is that quantum physics is really starting to look at parapsychology because they've realized that there's a, there's a, such a strong connection there and that parapsychology had a lot right. Um, you know, everything from understanding the, the power of the mind and the whether or not the consciousness is fundamental or emergent, we're beginning to understand that consciousness is fundamental to the universe. Um, so all these mm. concepts that were birthed in parapsychology are now being proposed in quantum physics. And, mm. and so I think now that we've, we've got these, this merging of, of fields, um, it's, it's becoming impossible to not include. Right. No, no I, I agree 100% with that. I'm pretty sure Mike agrees with that oh absolutely and and what i was meaning you know about you know skeptics in general i mean i do appreciate them but like i was going to say i didn't want to put them in the same category as a pseudo skeptics right Mm -hmm. you know i just want to know because you know skeptics are great they they want it well patrick you are generally a a a very open-minded skeptic which is fantastic and makes for great episodes between him and I, so <laughs> you know but, that's yeah. that's kind of an interesting segue, Mike. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. You know, we we Mike and I kind of you know we we feed off each other for our podcast. Um, and Mike has led a very very paranormal life, and our longtime listeners know that uh, we talk about it quite a bit. Do you think that some people are more prone to experiencing the paranormal than others? Well, it, it's interesting because when you look at the research that has been done over the years about why certain people are more open to things like clairaudience, clairvoyance, all of that kind of a thing, what's really fascinating is that there are certain characteristics. Um, one of the studies actually that was was done very recently was the ability for certain people to be able to sort of get into the zone or tune out. Mm-hmm. Um, so people like that are, are very artistic, for instance, um, that can, you know, kind of zone into a painting or even like, uh, you know, or a. Uh, even athletes that like go into the zone when they're running um, Mm -hmm. like just that, that sort of meditative state. I know exactly Uh, what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And it's, that has been, been shown to very much heighten the the capacity for somebody to have these experiences. Typically people that are, you know, overthinking things that are, you know, trying really hard to have experiences. uh, Typically they just, they just don't. Mm -hmm. Um, They've had, and that's Patrick. Yeah. Well, and they've, they've done many experiments over the years, you know, whether it be Gansfeld experiments, remote viewing experiments, all sorts of things where, you know, they, the first thing they do is get people to meditate and, and be able to slow that, that thinking process down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the results have been extremely good for people who go in with either an open mind 
or believing that they're going to have good results. Mm -hmm. If the people that go in that are just like, no, it's not going to happen or, oh, this never happens for me or have that attitude usually doesn't happen for them. Um, So when, as soon as you've got somebody who's, who's basically, you know, hoping that, or like, I guess, trying really hard to get something to go on, you know, or is just in, is negative about it. The odds are it's not going to happen. Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I mean, and it's, that's gone back in my family, my great, great grandmother, and then coming down and, uh, and I would imagine even before that, but uh, as far as I know, back to my great, great grandmother. So it's a very, you know, family thing that's gone back. But yeah, it runs in his veins. Apparently, another thing I'm proud of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You be proud of it though. Yeah, and my father. Yeah, yeah my grandmother, great grandmother. Yep. You know, I'm I'm looking at some of my notes <laughs> I had written down. You have a very impressive, uh, well, for lack of a better term, resume. But, <laughs> I mean, we got like you know, TV host, award-winning educator, producer, author. We need to talk about your 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 latest book, The Gift of Instinct, uh, inspirational speaker, and you know, paranormal investigator. Uh, you know, our audience would be delighted to hear you talk about some of your experiences or how you got about how you got the gig of a, being on haunted hospitals and haunted oh, one of my favorite shows. Yeah, there was a oh, there was a, a marathon on haunted hospitals. I watched a marathon of it today, and I was oh, every second. I love that oh, show. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny. Um, you know, when when I was when I was younger, because I didn't actually know about my my family lineage until much later it mm. was it was before that that uh, my interest was peaked and um you know i had a, an incident when i was really young where i, I saw sort of a apparition sort of the faceless apparition um come running at me when i was mm. i was young i was like nine wow. and it was it terrified me when it first right. happened but i was like completely fascinated yeah. mm-hmm. like, what is this this is amazing and uh, so years and years and years went by and I was just, you know, everything that I could get my hands on, I was, I was absorbing. And uh, I, I ended up meeting my, my business partner, uh, Stephanie Wirtz, and uh, she and I were, were still in school together. And she had the, the same passion for it that I did. And so the, the two of us just, I mean, we just clicked. I mean, we didn't do anything else. We, we spent our, our evenings and our weekends studying. Like we weren't out at the bars. We weren't dancing. We weren't nothing. This is what we did. And we, we researched everything to death. And what we, one of the things we were looking for was, was patterns in what was, what was allowing certain people to have negative experiences versus positive experiences. Yeah. And from that research over X number of years, um, our program teaching the living was born. And uh, we, we realized that, you know, as we were kind of going along and researching and investigating and going to these places and talking to people and dealing with these, these individuals, we realized that uh, we had something really unique to offer and uh, a program that no one else was talking about. And so we began our work with uh, the program and decided, you know, let's see if, let's see if we can teach some of this. Let's see if we can pass this on to people because we were having such amazing results with it. And uh, so we put, we put up an ad for our first workshop, which was in this, she had a a, lived in this beautiful condo building and it had this little uh, uh, sort of kitchen room in the main area where you could rent. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have a ton of money. I mean, (laughs) we were just starting, both of us were pretty much broke. We put all the money we, we could into it and lo and behold, the damn thing sold out wow. and nice. everybody showed up and we're like, oh, okay. And we, we 
put this in front of people and we said, you know, by no means are we, you know, telling you this is right, wrong or indifferent, but here's, here's what we've come to understand. And it got the ball, ball rolling. Um, and uh, pretty soon after that, it was, it was just one thing after another and people were really taking to, uh, to the program and, uh, and it just kind of snowballed from yeah. that point. <laughs> awesome. Well, like Mike said, you know, that's one of his favorite shows. Um, and, you know, our listeners are big time fans of all paranormal, uh, paranormal programming. Uh, listen, you know, before uh, we talk a little bit about that, this question always arises. I'm always curious as to our guests' opinions. Are you worried in the least bit that there is an overabundance of paranormal programming on, on television out there? Do you think it's going to oversaturate? Oh, yes. Or do you think that's a, <laughs> do you think that that's no matter what it is it's it's a good thing? What do you think? Well, I, I think it's a it, it's kind of a, a double edged sword because you know you've got it, the the good thing about it is that it's made it a household topic, right? Mm. It's 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 Absolutely. allowed people to have this conversation mm-hmm. and it allows us to do shows like this where we can sit and talk about it and right. people will like actually pay attention, absolutely, um, which is which is really really good. But on the flip side, you know the. The damn problem is, and and this is the the issue that parapsychologists and the field itself has been facing since the show started, is that it has really bastardized the core of parapsychology, and mm-hmm. the, the shows are so mm. deadly inaccurate, mm. and they don't represent what the research is at all, like at all at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that it it's you know it it taints people's opinions of what parapsychology is. So it makes things sure. for universities harder to get funding. And, you know, even though a lot of the universities have these amazing programs like Yale and Oxford and Edinburgh and all these, you know, these major, major universities, but, you know, in the public's eye, and it's like you were saying the skeptics as well, you know, they're looking at this going like, this is, this is not science. Mm-hmm. And they're right. It's not science. Right. And, uh, but the real stuff is, and, and parapsychology is asking huge questions about human consciousness. And, you know, in the shows, it's about, you know, running around and screaming that there's a demon. Well, <laughs> right. Great. Great. Right. Like, it's just, so, I mean, so I, I think like, I know I would be happier if those shows were just like these, the, at least the scripted reality shows were labeled as scripted reality entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then people could make that distinction because I mean, the shows, I mean, they're fun. They're a guilty pleasure. It's great, but it's like, don't bill it as real. Like, don't do that. Bill it sure. as entertainment because that's how these ghost hunting shows are designed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I took the gig with haunted hospitals and paranormal 911 was because they were just like, we're going to give you cases. We just want you to give your opinion on the cases. Sure. And I'm like, I can do that. I was like, whether you like what you hear, whether yes. <laughs> you don't, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the opinion. And thankfully my amazing producers were like, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> and they've kept me for four seasons. So I better be doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%, 100%. You know, I, you know, cases that you see on shows such as Haunted Hospitals um, and, you know, Haunted 911, they're, as you said, they're they're a little bit different than some of these, you know, paranormal investigating investigation shows. Yeah. Because it's just straightforward to the point. Like you said, this is what happened. There's no, I, I hate to use this term, no drama, you know, they're not dramatizing anything you yeah. know, uh, to the nth degree. One case always pops out in my head, though. And I, I wanted your opinion on is that what this could have possibly been. Mike and I have talked about this before, and I, I might be generalizing it too much, but there was a case where, uh, and Mike, help me out if I'm wrong here, where mm-hmm. essentially a mother died in a car wreck. She was underwater, and 
the arriving paramedics or the police officers heard mm. heard a voice and they were you know like help 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 my my baby's in here i believe this was on a 911 paranormal 911 and it was long story short i mean i, I believe it made the news but these officers and these paramedics, they rushed to her side, and she was passed away, and she was passed away for some time, but the baby was still in there, and they saved the baby. I mean, what is, in your mind, if that case is absolutely legit, what is happening there? <laughs> I am fascinated by that. Yeah, and the, the cases always blow my mind every time I get cases from this this show because they yeah. find the most unique stories on the, mm-hmm. on the in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I... I, I think every case, that one included, is just a testimony to this idea that consciousness is not emergent from the brain. It's something that is fundamental to the universe, which is the, mm. what they call in parapsychology the hard problem. Um, and it was a, a, a term coined by a philosopher by the name of David Chalmers. And uh, the hard problem has always been, is consciousness fundamental or is it emergent? Is it something that needs a brain to survive or is it something that is, uh, you know, existing around us and the brain translates it in the same way all our other organs translate, (laughs) you know, things like we translate energy, we translate taste, we translate, you know, light into, you know, our eye is not creating the picture. Our eye is translating the picture. You know, is the brain doing the same thing? Is it translating the consciousness? Um, And and I think with the evidence and and the way things are going right now in my perspective, I think that is the case. Um, You know, I, I don't think our brain is, is rooted in, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's creating what we're seeing by any means. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting when, when these kind of cases come up, because I, I think they're just a little bit more evidence to that idea that this is consciousness is something, is something else. And then when we lose the body, the, the mind is still in existence. Yeah. Uh, it just might not look the same anymore. Right. <laughs> do you, do, do you, what would, what would be your thoughts here? Now, now I'm just kind of going rapid fire, things that always just fascinate me. Um, what your thoughts on supposed cases of reincarnation? For some, you know, that popped into my mind right when you said that, that you know, how it's just it's the universal conscious, consciousness and our body, our brain is interpreting this. Um, and it's absorbing it. Um, when the one vessel, so to speak, like your body passes away, that consciousness remains. Can it enter another physical uh, shell, for lack of a better term? Well, there's been a lot of studies uh, in relation to this subject. Um, a fellow by the name of uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson, who's kind of known, I think, as the, the, the king of reincarnation research uh, throughout the years. And uh, he did a, a lot of research around children and reincarnation. And what's so fascinating is that for me is I think reincarnation could possibly be the best evidence, physical evidence we have right now that the consciousness does continue because mm-hmm. these kids don't have a dog in the fight and there's such bizarre i mean i don't believe in coincidences but i think right. there's such bizarre happenings with these kids mm-hmm. um that it, we we have to pay attention to it um and it again goes to show that this is this consciousness issue is is likely emergent or is likely fundamental because you've got a situation where you know every thought that's ever been thought is still in existence so if that's the case can we pick up on said thoughts right mm-hmm. um so you know it de- i i we don't know what i think 
conclusively whether or not it's it's necessarily a, a you know a, a spirit that's translated into another body but we can definitely look at the idea that there is you know if if that's not the case then you know well maybe these kids are picking up on the thought that's that's in the in the space that's right, the energy that's continuing yeah. exactly so there, mm-hmm. there's i think there's a lot of theories behind it but um uh, you know when you get into even ian stevenson's research it's really really hard to to, to put it down and negate mm-hmm. it Ian Stevenson. I've been taking notes that I need to check on. (laughs) You're going to really be interested in it. His stuff is phenomenal and it's so extensive. He did a lot of work in, uh, in South America with these cases and they're, they're absolutely mind blowing. Like I, Mm. I don't know how you could explain it any other way. Mm. Uh, That's fascinating. Yeah. My brain's kind of melting a little bit right now. It's not because of the warmth. (laughs) Now, while we still have time here, we, need to talk about your books i mean what what can you tell us about well like your new one the gift of instinct talk to us about your book and you know what it's all about and uh, yeah just lay it on us sure (laughs) so it it was funny because i i I wasn't originally intending to to write the gift of instinct it came at the the uh urging of a a friend of mine who's into uh, folklore and he uh he was like no no you gotta write another book you gotta write another book so um Anyway, the gift of instinct, uh, as I was kind of rattling around what I was going to write about, because my first book, Teaching the Living, I covered pretty much everything I wanted to cover. So I was struggling with another. I'm like, how, what am I going to write for the next one that's going to make it different? And so I realized there was fundamental lessons in the, the, in parapsychology that I had learned myself throughout the years of doing this 20 years later. And I'm like, you know, there's fundamental core lessons here that go beyond haunted houses Mm. that are so important to just everyday life experience and, um, and, and self-awareness that I realized that, you know, I could break this down into my top 10 lessons. And if I could pass on the top 10 things that I've learned, what would they be? Mm. So I ended up, really sitting down and thinking about it. And when I realized what the 10 lessons were going to be, the overall theme I realized was an instinct for more Mm. that the universe calls us to more and parapsychology calls us to more. And when we follow that calling, once you get hooked in and you can follow that calling, then the doors start to open for you. It's, it's really, really incredible. And, you know, you, you really get this whole this whole connection and um, uh, a relationship with, with non-physical, but it's an instinct that everybody's got it to some degree that there is more than this. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, that's why I called it the gift of instinct was because I thought, you know, that, that gift, once you get it, once you get that, that's there, it's there for everybody then, and you start to follow these, these pathways, then, I mean, just, the, the world ends up opening up. And uh, so, so that was the core of the gift of instinct was, was my top 10 lessons that I learned and how I have learned over the last 20 years of doing this. Yep. Book I need. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. If you yep, get I wrote it, it down. Uh, absolutely. I know I will. Do you find um, writing enjoyable? Do you like writing? I love writing. I am writing all yeah. the time. I, I, not only the books, but I, um, I write for a haunted magazine in the UK oh, as man. well. Mm, and, awesome. um, and I write all the podcasts that on supernatural circumstances as well. So, yep. um, so I'm constantly, <laughs> constantly yeah. writing something down and I write for fun too. I have a, I, I, I fiction write and stuff just for the hell of it. Nice. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. just a blast. 
multi-talented. Talk, talk about getting into the zone. Writing is much like that as well. You know, you oh, just yeah. you, you tap into that yeah. and you just can't stop. It's like, yeah. before you know it, it's like, man, I have a book. <laughs> I did that years ago well, when I was in the military. I would sit in the barracks in my dorm room and and I would just, I mean, all longhand, just writing and writing and talk about a zone. And yeah. I came up with some stuff that uh, um, it fascinated me even. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying it was great or anything, but um once you get going and you and you just you just roll and yeah. you don't you know it's like where is this stuff coming from but and then you look over it and you read what you've done and yeah it's pretty amazing uh yeah i couldn't agree with you more and you're right i think you know i think sometimes it, it it's it's being inspired and i think there's a difference between you know doing things from an inspired place versus you putting the effort in and thinking your way through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talk about this, what you're talking about is exactly what I was talking about in the gift of instinct, where there's, there's a, a point at which you're receiving from inspired thought rather than trying to effort your way through right. it. Right. Um, my, the second lesson that I have in, uh, in the book is about uh, the, the, uh, the skill of letting go And Mm. it's so fascinating because, you know, like we were talking about before with, you know, what makes some people more prone to this stuff than other people um, is that ability to let go. And when you can do that and you kind of get in the zone with whatever you're doing, then all of this inspiration starts to to flow. And when you're really paying attention, you do, you kind of wonder, wait a minute, is this me? Yeah. (laughs) Is this me? Is this, or is this something else? And it's, you know, in my, in my understanding, it it really is something more. Yeah. So this book, it's available on Amazon, I'm sure whatever it is. Okay. Cause I know it's, I just from hearing you and talking about it, um, it's definitely would be a, a great help for me. So definitely. Yeah. I, I, please (laughs) let me know if you, you yeah, I can do that. Well, you know, I, I, I just got the wonderful 10-minute warning. From oh, Zoom. Yeah, I hate that. Uh, <laughs> We're going to make some changes on that so yeah. these interviews can go a little bit longer. Um, yeah, Morgan, <laughs> if someone came up, I'm just looking at any any fast questions here. If someone came up to you just in general and asked you, Morgan, can you tell me what is a ghost? What would you What would you tell them? Well, it's such a loaded question because yeah. you know, what everybody's <laughs> definition is different. Yeah, Patrick's um, good at loaded questions. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, everybody's definition is different. You know, some people think that you know a ghost implies that anything that is 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 paranormal that's going on in a house. Um, some people refer to that as a as a per, like something that was a person that's passed over that is is now connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, consciousness and you're, you're interacting with that. Um, you know, some people believe it's, it's something that's evil and terrible and, and all of those things. So, um, you know, my, my definition, I guess, would, would be that it is a part of the consciousness of, of what we knew as an, a physical thing. Um, mm. But, you know, it's something that maybe could interact and manifest that would think in real time that would act in real time. Um, not something that's just a replay of events going on in a space. Um, but I, I think that would be probably be my definition, but interestingly to, to look at the different definitions, it's interesting because there's the culturally it's so diverse. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's, that's been, it's, 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 it's kind of a core of our podcast here is, you know, again, Mike and I, we, we just, we expound on our own personal theories and stuff. And we just, we, we go back and forth and a lot of our interest, you know, started, uh, I would say, well, I shouldn't say our interest, but we just happened to run into each other 
we had the same job, what, Mike, 15, 16 years ago? I can't remember how long it was. Well, at whatever. least 18, maybe. Well, even, started talking, at this point. Yeah, I started talking to this guy, and I realized that he was really into the paranormal, and he had some crazy flipping stories. And then we kind of, you know, this <laughs> here we are 18 years later doing a podcast, talking to wonderful people like you. And the, the, the core part of my interest, as Mike, Mike knows, is uh, it's, this is not about me, uh, but it's like my father, unfortunately, passed away when I was eight years old. And I've always just been fascinated with the idea of somehow communicating with him or knowing that some semblance of him is still out there. You know, so I, I think that's probably a common underlying reason people are interested in the paranormal. Do you, do you think that that's a do you think that that's a positive a reason to get into the paranormal or, or am I just looking to get hurt here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a really, a really positive, uh, you know, initiation into it. I, I think it, mm-hmm. it usually is something to, along that line that intrigues people. Either they've, they're looking to communicate with someone or they're, um, uh, they've had something happen. that They're going, what was this? I don't understand what happened. Actually in, in my book, I, I write about uh, an investigator by the name of Maurice Gross and uh, he was, yeah, one of the yep. uh, chief investigators with the Society of Psychical Research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was how he got started, was that he, his, he was an engineer originally, and he was inventing all sorts of stuff, like moving billboards. And so the moving billboards that we see now were invented by Maurice Gross, like just crazy things. Mm. And his life was going really, really well. And he got the, the dreaded phone call the one day, which is his daughter had died in a motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. It was very sudden. And uh, his whole life came crashing down on him because he was like, like, what, what just happened? Like, this was not supposed to happen. And what was interesting was that as he was moving through the grief process and he was finding that joy again, slowly, but surely stuff started to happen around him. There were these, these signs basically that were showing up these unexplainable events that were showing up, showing up, showing up, like, again, drawing him forward, like pulling him forward. And he quit his job. He just dropped his job as an engineer. And he was like, I got to know what this is. Mm -hmm. And he just went full blown and pursued it. And what was interesting was that his daughter was named Janet. And when she, which she, and he firmly believed that, that this was what he was supposed to be doing, that his daughter was calling him into this. And lo and behold, the first major case he gets is the Enfield haunting yep. in the 1970s. Mm. And the, the little girl who needed his help was named Janet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was so, it, it's, it's so profound because had those sequence of events not happened, he would never have been there to champion for, for this little girl. And so I, I, I think the communication that people are often looking for, like they think it's going to come in some like, you know, glowing apparition that's going to show up in front of them. Right. But it usually doesn't. It usually has its own language and the universe has its own language. So when this stuff starts to happen and you start to see these stories, you, you realize there, there is, there are no accidents and, you know, that calling, you know, when you follow it and, you know, you, you get these communications, it's, it's all so valid and important. So I don't think it negates the importance at all of uh you know mm. how, why people pursue this yeah that's mine was actually a, a great a, way of putting it a literal crash course when i was many many decades ago when i'm i'm that old um i uh heard a very large crash in the basement and uh it was in my uncle's house in toronto and uh um he would said that would happen all the time you go down there it'd be nothing out of place or anything but the huge one was when I was about 11 or 12, when I saw 
a full-bodied apparition, fully detailed walk between, well, float actually between the TV and I. And I was home alone, and that, and I just went back to watching TV, and it was fascinating. But I loved it. I mean, uh, every, never really freaked out too much. Every time Mike tells this story too, I always, I always poke fun at how he says TV. Because yeah, he always he emphasizes he does it backwards. I'm just kidding, Mike. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. But Morgan, this is again. I hate this, but time is running out. But this has been absolutely fascinating. I hope that we can talk again sometime soon. Where can people find your book? So everybody can find well, basically everything that I I do am doing and have done on uh, my website entityseeker.ca. That's not plural, so entityseeker.ca. Um, you can find everything from my my live shows, my videos, my books, uh, my podcast, Supernatural Circumstances, with uh, that I do with my my co-host Mike Brown. Um, yeah, both books, Teaching the Living and The Gift of Instinct, are both available there. Um, and season four of Haunted Hospitals should be airing soon. So, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> well, Morgan, this has been more than yeah. a, more than a pleasure. We can't thank you enough. Um, oh, fascinating. Thank you guys. Absolutely fascinating. 